Chapter 23 Later, at the police station, as Gloria sat, looking for all the world like a worried grandmother bailing the recalcitrant grandchild she'd been forced to raise out of jail, waiting for her lover to be questioned in the latest mysterious incident, she wondered what Henry had said that warranted a ride down to the station for further questioning. She had tried eavesdropping as the officer spoke to Henry, escorting him some distance from Gloria. It seemed convivial enough, judging solely by Henry's open-faced passivity during the questioning in question. Moments later, he'd been escorted to the back seat of the nearest cruiser, shouting to Gloria, Don't worry, they just have a few more questions. I'll call you when I'm done. Left with only Deputy Cash in the yard, staring out as the ambulance silently departed the crime scene, the cruiser pulled away with a jarring bloop-bloop. The crying girlfriend continued to honk and wheeze in her grief as Carl gave Gloria a withering look of disappointment and turned his head. She walked the short distance up the blacktop hill to reach her car. Carl could just go to hell, she decided. When the phone rang at 2 a.m., Gloria answered with fuzzy thoughts and a deep voice, her senses slowed by the weight of sleep. Yes? Waiting to hear Henry's gentle voice requesting a ride home, she was surprised to hear Terry's rolling East Texas twang instead. Gloria wasn't sure if she'd heard his voice on the phone since texting was invented. Aunt Glory, I'm sorry to call so late, but Daddy came by on his way home to let me know my friend had some dust up and would need a ride home from the station. But when I got there, Casey wouldn't let me see him and said they needed some evidence that Henry is who he says he is. I guess he didn't have his pertinence on him when they took him down for questioning. He said you had the key to his place. Did she? Wait, he said he had left his keys in his pants. As Terry went on, Gloria stumbled out of bed and felt around the floor like a blind woman, locating two pairs of jeans and four shirts that didn't belong to her. Henry said I could come get the key and go find his social security card and his license in some shoebox shoved in the back of some closet. In the second pair of pants, she found a small keychain with four keys attached. Surely one of these would open Henry's front door. Don't be ridiculous, Gloria admonished Terry. You're a good friend. You go back to bed. I'll get his license and take it in and give that Casey Cash a piece of my mind in the process. Aye, Terry sighed. Call me if you need anything. You should be able to present his license and they'll let him right out. Tell that boy to stay out of trouble, for God's sake. I will, Gloria murmured, placing the phone back down. Gloria experienced the strangest sensation as she drove through the dark streets in the middle of the night, like a rapture had collected his devoted country flocks on a whim. One ten was deserted and quiet, a darkness only possible in the folds of the country, on a lake perched off the side of the world. Nibbles of doubt ate at her as she drove, the radio silenced to fit the mood. She pulled into Henry's driveway and sat for several moments while the car idled. What was she doing? He was sitting at the station, waiting for someone to come and help him. Why was she dawdling? She took a breath and stepped into the still calm of the night. Hands shaking, she tried pushing the first key into the doorknob. It wouldn't turn. She tried the second. Still no click. The third key worked, but she had to force herself to enter the still room. Without Henry, this felt wrong. Even though he'd requested his ID, it was Terry... Uncurious, non-nosy Terry, he expected to rifle through his sparse belongings. 
Yet, by quick, subconscious design, she was here, by herself, with permission, implied, perhaps, that she was free to look around. Unbridled curiosity was a common factor in her life. It was one of the traits she despised the most in herself. There it was, a constant companion. It's why she had started writing in the first place. Always wondering while she was driving from the city back home to visit, gazing out the windows wondering what those people down that street were doing right now. How did they make their living? Did they have a garden? Did they have cats? Always wondering. Which led to speculation. Which led to telling stories to yourself to fill the emptiness. Outright investigation was a newer hobby. Though she felt a stabbing guilt, she knew she had to use this time wisely to satisfy her growing curiosity about her mysterious lover. First things first, find the box with his ID in it. What grown man kept his ID in a box? Gloria checked two small closets before she found one that wasn't completely empty. The third closet, a tiny wood-paneled affair located between the one bathroom and the one bedroom, contained several coats, shirts, four pairs of shoes, four neatly stacked cigar boxes, and one small mahogany chest that looked as if at one time sported a lock and more shine. One cigar box contained pictures, what must have been at least 40 to 50 pictures, though she didn't have time to properly nose through them. The second box contained three very old documents, two still wrapped in rotting silk ribbons, tied nattily closed, and a brass key with the number 502 inscribed upon its small face. She pulled one out, carefully smoothing the yellowed linen with shaking hands. It looked like some type of deed. Paper was obviously delicate and felt more like cloth. What words she could make out seemed to be written in a flowery script. Family antiquities, perhaps? He had said he was an orphan. Perhaps this was all that was left. The third box contained a strange variety of jewelry and snuff boxes. Two tarnished gold rings and a few coins, roughly sized, and a delicate gold rosary. She held these up one at a time, trying to find a date or origin. She didn't recognize the face on the back of the coins, but they looked like they were definitely worth something. Maybe this was how Henry made his money. Maybe he was a collector. His first-person story made more sense, if he was a history buff, perhaps. In the fourth box, she found Henry's ID and a small blue social security card. The name on both read Henry Allen Winter IV. So he was at least who he said he was. Relief crawled over her. She was worried once she started pulling the string, the rest of her cloak of ignorance would unravel. The biggest box, the chest, had been pushed into the furthest corner of the closet, covered with a couple of worn sheets and quilts. This one she lifted out, hands shaking. The box itself was heavy, and she placed it on the worn carpet of the hallway, the hall light buzzing overhead, staring at it for several moments. What was she afraid she'd find? Rusty Fry's head? The chest hinges creaked as she slowly lifted the lid, peering down into the apparently empty box. Sliding her hand down into the smooth interior, she moved her fingers over the rough wood at the bottom until she found two things. A wooden shingle and another yellow document rolled and tied with a leather thong. The shingle, once pulled from the box, looked like a piece of rough bark from a tree and fit into the palm of both hands. When she turned it over, she gasped. On the aged wood, shellacked and sealed, was an astonishingly skilled wood carving of an Ouroboros a snake eating its tail. The sheer ferocity of the simple image entranced her. The carving was obviously old. The rolled document she set aside 
her eyes roving over the closet full of bounty. She'd found nothing but a well-documented line of ancestors, the crumbs of their existence all this young man had left in the world to define who he was and where he came from. She slid the leather thong down and unrolled the last document slowly. She didn't want the aged canvas to disintegrate in her hands. She smiled at the charcoal sketch she found inside. A one-bedroom shanty, the outline of a shed on a hill with the shadow of a woman tilling in the field, her delicate face barely discernible, a smoky blur on the edge of the drawing. Sitting on her heels, she sighed and picked up the box containing the IDs, aiming to push the rest back into the corner of the closet. The cigar box packed with photos slid off the stack, the photos splattering across the floor of the hallway. Damn it, Gloria barked, checking her watch. She dropped to her knees as quickly as gravity would allow and pushed the photos back into a pile, marveling briefly over the collection. Ten types. Cardboard sepia photos from the turn of the century and a square Polaroid that peeked out from the corner of the stack. For some reason, Gloria pulled that photo out and studied it. A woman winking and posing in front of a black Trans Am, her arms flung out with joy. Something tugged at Gloria's mind. The woman's face seemed familiar. Was this Henry's mother? Gloria snatched the Polaroid from the pile she'd stacked carefully back into the cigar box and shoved it into her purse, vowing she'd return it as soon as she could study it again. She fingered the corner of her contraband as she waited now. Gloria? Casey Cash's voice boomed. Gloria guiltily pulled her hand from the depths of her purse, startled to find Casey's concerned face hovering over her. I brought these. She fished out Henry's ID cards and waved them. So you can let him go now, you turd. She already offered them to the night attendant, who dutifully made copies and returned the originals without comment. Casey frowned. We were just questioning him, Glory. He's been seen having words with the victim, and it has been indicated that he has had an ongoing relationship with the victim's canine. And that means what exactly, Casey? Uh, it's that, well, he has been known to feed, water, and walk the victim's dog without permission. Well, that does it. He must be a killer. Congratulations. Case conveniently solved. Gloria full well knew herself to be a Class A hypocrite, the stolen picture singing to her from her purse, but she shook her head in derision. Can I take him home now? Casey seemed surprised. You two shacking up already? Well, you might as well know. He's using you as his alibi. Says he was with you all night until we brought him down. That right? Gloria saw the pity in Casey's eyes and bristled, pulling herself up taller, looking him in the eyes confidently. Yes, that's right. He's been with me. Every night for at least a week. Casey opened his mouth but closed it quickly, finishing derisively. And you'd be willing to sign a document to that effect? Keep in mind, Glory, if we find out he's guilty of this thing, you could be held in contempt. She heard Henry's voice from the other side of the lobby and nodded curtly in dismissal. Casey disappeared from her side before Henry materialized, waving goodbyes to his new friends at the station. 